we believe that those people that went on with their uh, reserve uh, service as volunteers can uh, decide if they wish to go on with this uh, kind of uh, activity or uh, they uh, can uh, realize that for a different kind of regime in Israel, they don't want to volunteer. Anyway, we speak about people that volunteer. We don't speak about uh, the question of uh, obeying any rules or any law. Those that will uh, be called for uh, reserve service according to the uh, regular uh, official law, they will go on and they will come and they will uh, do what they need to do. We speak about people that volunteer, some of them in the age of 60, some of them in, the, in uh, different ages, that decided to volunteer because they thought that the kind of state and the kind of service that we used to have in the IDF uh, allowed them and encouraged them to be volunteers. If it is not the case, they can consider it again, and those that will decide that it doesn't fit their feelings, uh, it's okay with us that they will uh, take their own decisions. Explain to our listeners how important are the reservists uh, in the overall picture. If, God forbid, uh, Israel goes to war again, how reliant are, is the IDF, and particularly the Air Force, I think, on these reservists? We don't speak only about war. We speak about uh, everyday security and everyday defense of the state of Israel. Uh, war we have, uh, I'm afraid to say, every few years. Uh, but uh, every day there are all kind of uh, military and other services activities that uh, are aimed to secure the state of Israel and its uh, citizens. Now, the IDF organization is very unique. It's very unique because it is not like most of the Western, uh, almost all the Western uh, uh, countries in the world. The IDF is based not only on people that are uh, serving in a cons- uh, con- some kind of uh, cons- yeah uh, service, consumptive service. Uh, but also people that uh, uh, are going on with the service after they finish the regular service as volunteers. Now, the regular units like armor divisions, infantry divisions, and so on, are based more or less on regular soldiers and regular, um, uh, I would say, uh, reserve service. But special units including Air Force units, including all kind of uh, intelligence units, including uh, all kind of uh, other units that uh, are serving the overall security of the State of Israel are based more and more on individuals and use the experience of individuals that used to serve not only for three years, but used to serve for a very long time as reservists. Now, if these people will say, we don't want to go on with this kind of service, it will affect those units, and because those units are crucial 
in regular time, even more than in war time, it will really, really, really be a threat to the security of Israel. Now, uh, listening to what I just said, people uh, can think that if this is the case, why these people are doing so? Do they want to, uh, uh, to go and uh, act against the security of Israel? The answer, of course, is no. But those that are to blame uh, on, on the fact that we, uh, we, we are now in this kind of situation are those that think that can, they can change the whole attitude of the state of Israel and those people, the volunteer, because Israel was a very unique system, will go on uh, to do the same. And the answer is no. If the overall uh, character of the state of Israel is different, so uh, the service will be different. And uh, for the state of Israel, with all the different threats that we have from all over, uh, most of it in the Middle East, but also some of them not only in the Middle East, uh, for that, we need a very special kind of military, and this is what we have now. And if we would like to uh, become a different kind of state, we will have to uh, uh, get some kind of regular uh, military. Will it be enough? My answer is no. I hope that uh, those people that are saying that they will not come and will not serve will not have to do it. Because I hope that those that are the decision makers will understand that going on with this revolution uh, means a great, great danger to the security of the state of Israel. But isn't this opening a Pandora's box? Say, for instance, uh, in the future, if an, an, a future Israeli government decides to um, dismantle um, West, some West Bank settlements, Right-wing members of the military could say, this for me is a burning issue and we're going to refuse, just like the pilots and the uh, other reservists refused when there was a judicial overhaul. The, the answer is very uh, simple, because we don't need to guess. We can see what had happened already during previous events. Uh, even though there is nothing between what is happening now and the disengagement from Gush Katif. But let's take it as some kind of, of uh, equivalent, okay? It's not the same, because what is happening now, for the first time ever in the state of Israel, it's not uh, some kind of a government policy. Because you are saying rightly, uh, governments are allowed to change policies, and government can decide to do things that big parts in the, uh, the society don't agree with it. But I would like to remind you, there are right-wing governments in Israel for the last 30 years. And never, and I would say it again, never people uh, express their anger using this kind of, of uh, uh, threats. It's the first time, because it's not a change in the government policy. It's uh, an attempt to change the whole system in a way that nobody will be able in the future to change the government. And this is the main point. Now, going to the uh, disengagement from Gush Katif as an example. People don't remember because 
billions of dollars were invested in the last 15 years to convince the Israeli public that the disengagement from Gaza was a disaster. So people don't remember, but I will remind you, during the operation of going out from Gush Katif during the disengagement in 2005, they were violent activities, they were threats not to serve, they were threats to uh, uh, even to shoot people that will come to try to take out people from Gush Katif. More than it, there were rabbis and there were politicians that called soldiers not to obey to the orders. Now, it's not only that. I can tell you, again, it was published, it's not a secret. The order within the military in 2005 was to the commanders on the field. The, the order was that if there are soldiers that don't feel that they can uh, uh, be part of this operation, and I speak, I don't speak about volunteers, and I don't speak about reservists. I speak about regular soldiers, even. And the order was that if there is such a soldier or an officer, the uh, commanders need to find ways not to involve them on the operation. So those that try to compare what is happening now to what had happened in the uh, uh, disengagement of Kukush Katif understand nothing on, on the equivalent and, and the two kind of experience. It's absolutely different in the terms. It's absolutely different in the whole environment. It's absolutely different on the uh, kind of people that we speak about. And again, there are ways to do what needs to be done without these volunteers. Will it be uh, with the same uh, results? The answer is no. Those that take the decisions need to take it by consideration. And this is uh, uh, exactly the point. Now, let's, let's be frank. Those people that are saying we will not volunteer, are, they pray that they will not need to do it. They pray that the threat enough will convince the decision makers to stop, to think again, and to try to try to do things in a way that the Israeli public will not be divided <clears throat> in such a deep uh, way as it is now.